When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to episode 22 of the Penscast. It is Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. Almost Wednesday. We're getting pretty late here into the evening hours. And when you're listening to, the, to this, uh, Penguins training camp may be underway. So uh, Thursday morning, the Penguins will report to training camp for the first time this season and the first time with the new look Kyle Dubas-led Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, this episode, I wanted to talk about some things I expect from training camp, some competitions we're going to see. Um, there's obviously obviously some spots that are going to be... Um, you know, fought over. So we're going to take a look at that at uh, at those, and who uh, really needs to show up here to gain those spots and to uh, you know fill out the NHL roster. A couple other things we're going to talk about: some news that's happened since my last episode. And you do have to excuse my voice if it's a little raspier or something else. Uh, I am a little little under the weather. Not exactly sure what's going on, but um, you know, I'm a I'm a trooper. I'm a soldier. And I'm uh, I'm gonna keep fighting, you know. Gonna, gonna keep up the good fight. Uh, no podcast can go unturned, you know. Things of that nature. Anyways, um, yes, I wanted to talk about the Penguins uh, training camp competitions that I'm looking forward to. That's all gonna get started here in about 24 hours. When you're listening to this, like I said, it may be underway. Not exactly sure. So. Penguins forward group. They announced actually earlier today the training camp roster, and they're bringing uh, over 50 players to training camp. 33 forwards, uh, 18 defensemen, along with seven goaltenders. And a lot of the top, I'd say 12 of the forwards are probably locked in, maybe 11 if you want to get uh, creative with it. Excuse me. Um but there's still some space here, and there's still a little bit of ambiguity into how certain guys are going to be played. Are some are some of the guys that we expect to be sure things, are they going to be everyday players in uh, the Penguins lineup? So in terms of sure things, this is what we know to be certain at this point. Uh, first line, when healthy, obviously Gensel is going to miss the first few games, but when healthy, it's going to be Gensel, Crosby, likely Raquel, maybe Rust, doesn't matter. Um, those guys are sure things, obviously. Same with the second line. Riley, Malkin, Rust, those guys are on the NHL lineup. Don't worry. That's not changing. Third line is where I think you start to get a little more of that ambiguity. Where I think Lars Eller is the intended third line center, bar none. But his wingers, who they are, and are the possible candidates, even if they're not on the third line, are they even fourth liners every day? I think it gets a little, you know, more more unclear there. Where I have it as um, Andreas Janssen on the left, Alex Nylander on the right, to try to emphasize some offensive pressure in that third line, even though those aren't necessarily um, the best at, you know, they're not going to be top scorers here. But in terms of the option, I think options that are uh, available on the bottom six, I think those are the two guys who have the highest upside and the highest potential to score. But at the at the moment, it's not a surefire thing that Andreas Janssen is even uh, you know on the top twelve, let alone on the third line. I think Nylander's pretty solid in uh, you know being an everyday player. Likely, I think uh, 
what they saw out of him last year. What there there were flashes in the pan of some you know uh, some good offensive talent. He didn't necessarily put up the numbers, but I do thoroughly expect him to uh, be close to an everyday player, especially when um, Jake Gensel's out. Just because of his offensive prowess, I do think that that's going to be a good fit. Only played nine games for the Penguins last year, actually. But down in the A, 55 games played, 50 points. When in when he was a uh, up with the Pittsburgh Penguins, nine games played, two points, one goal, one assist. But he when he was on the ice, he looked really good. He was creating chances. And I think in an extended role, which I think he'll get in the preseason and the first week or so of the uh, regular season, uh, we could maybe see a little more of him and hope that he uh, could take it up a notch this season. So I think Nylander's a pretty sure thing. Janssen, not as certain. Uh, he has some history in the NHL of being a goal scorer, which makes me, that that's why I think he's uh, going to get a shot there. And he also did obviously get an inv- invitation to training camp. He's on a one uh, a one-way deal. Last year, he played 13 games in the NHL between New Jersey and San Jose. No goals, but three assists. Down in Utica, uh, the AHL team for the New Jersey Devils, in 36 games played, he had 30 points, nine of which were goals. He scored 20 goals in his uh, you know first full season in the NHL. Um, it was the 18-19 season with the Toronto Maple Leafs, 20 goals, 23 assists, 43 points in 73 games. The following year, he was about a half a point a game player, 21 uh, points in 43 games. And then... Uh, you know, after a down season, his first year in New Jersey, um, in the his second year, which was 21-22, he had 35 points in 71 games. So he kind of caps out at about a half a point a game player, uh, typically on bad teams, though, on teams that, you know, have the opportunity to play him in higher roles. So I'm interested to see if he can uh, keep up that pace on a third line, especially, uh, you know, playing alongside a center who isn't the you know, most offensively, uh, not offensively talented per se, but not the most offensively minded at this stage in his career center and Lars Eller. Lars Eller has put up double digit goals many seasons. If you look across his career, I'm going to try to count here real quick. Uh, seven, eight, it looks like nine seasons. He's had double digit goals, maybe even 10. I think he had, yeah, he had 10 last year. So he is offensively talented, obviously, uh, he's closing in on a thousand uh, games played in his career, so no slight to Lars Eller. Just saying that um, he's not going to be, you know, the offensive center, third line center uh, that the Penguins really I would like to see there. And I'm sure uh, Janssen and Nylander would prefer to play alongside. But either way, Eller is going to be very defensively sound. He is pretty much guaranteed, I think, at this point that third line center role. Regardless, he's not going to be out of the top 12 uh, at all, especially given that contract they gave him, uh, that Kyle Dubas gave him. I think it was the first one of the day. That or Nieto on uh, July 1st were two years, $2.45 million. At this point, um, unless there's a trade, Lars Zeller is the Penguins' third-line center. Then you drop down to the fourth line where I have Drew O'Connor lining up on the left of Nolachari with Matt Nieto on the right side. All those guys have uh, term and were given term this year by Kyle Dubas. I expect them all to be given a shot, a solid chance to stay in the everyday top 12. Nolachari especially, uh, Kyle Dubas paid a good bit to bring him alongside of Ryan O'Reilly in at the trade deadline in Toronto and then promptly gave him a three-year contract worth $2 million each year when he became the Penguins uh, president of hockey operations. Um, He obviously thinks very highly of this player. I'd be surprised if he was ever an extra forward, especially this season. I think the the, um, intention is for Nolachari to be an everyday forward, maybe not always center, because I remember last season he played, um, at least when the games in Toronto I saw, he wasn't always center. He uh, can slot in on that right wing as well, but a very solid fourth-line forward option for the Penguins. Drew O'Connor... They gave him two years as he was uh, arbitration eligible at $925,000. He played a lot last season, 46 games in most of his career. Five goals, six assists, 11 points. Again, the numbers don't look great, but whenever he was on the ice, especially in the second half of the season, 
there were opportunities that he was creating. I think there is something there. There's, I think there's some offensive talent there, and I think he has an opportunity to break out a little bit. I don't know if he's going to have that ability to if he's on the fourth line. He's a guy who I could see being pushed up to the third line if Sullivan doesn't trust uh, you know, Janssen as much. I could totally see that, um, giving O'Connor more responsibility. But I think O'Connor also is a pretty much guaranteed top 12 forward, Achari as well, as I mentioned. Nieto's another one I kind of would put in the category with Andreas Janssen. While Dubas did give him two years at $900,000 each year, I think the intention is for him to be uh, an everyday forward, but I'm not sure. I'm not completely sold on Matt Nieto yet. Obviously, we haven't even seen him hit the ice with the Penguins yet, but he's had a very, you know, a pretty solid career. He's but he's never really broken out in any big way. He's uh, scored ten goals, um, ten or more goals in three separate seasons, but not since seventeen eighteen. He seems like a minute eater. He, uh, you know plays a lot of games 651 games uh, for a guy of his you know uh, caliber not to disrespect Matt Nieto that's a pretty impressive resume to have 651 goals uh, games excuse me played uh, 199 career points one shy of 285 career goals so he doesn't put up a ton of numbers um, he's not really going to be there for that I think he's going to be a PK guy which uh, you know I'm fine with but um, if I was betting I'd say he is you know slotted in every day as a uh, you know the top one of the, in the top 12 forward group but there's a slight chance that one of these other guys who I'm going to mention as options could maybe you know slot in a few times even uh, if there's not a Nieto injury or another forward injury maybe just to uh, give you know give someone else a shot the other guy who hasn't been mentioned in the top four lines was Jeff Carter and that's because I well, I mean we're going to find out here soon but I have been moving forward this summer under the impression that Jeff Carter is not going to be an everyday player for the Penguins. And he'll kind of just be an extra forward when needed. Kyle Dubas is obviously he doesn't have, you know, overall say over lineup decisions. But I think that he'll that um, Kyle Dubas will kind of give Sullivan the OK to say, hey, look, I know this guy's making over three million dollars. But don't feel obligated to play him because he is a net negative on the ice. Maybe something changed over the summer. Maybe Carter found his legs again or I don't know, something. But based on what we saw last season, Carter's a non-option, especially in the top nine. But I wouldn't even trust him over a lot of the other guys uh, that are options on the fourth line. I wouldn't put him in over Nieto, definitely not over Achari, definitely not over Drew O'Connor. Um, so in, in my Opinion, I think Carter's the 13th forward uh, on this team on most nights. Maybe give someone a break, slot him in, but not. I don't think he's going to get over. He's. I don't think he's going to play over half the games for the Penguins, to put it lightly. But then, if Carter's a 13th forward, you know the Penguins haven't always gone to the two extra forwards, one defenseman. Sometimes they do the two defensemen, one forward. Uh, sometimes they don't even can't even do uh, have a full you know twenty three man roster. Sometimes they have to uh, go a guy short or something because of salary cap, cap reasons. But if there is an extra spot on that forward group you know, on the NHL roster, who would it go to? Now uh, this off season, the Penguins brought back a um, you know former longtime organization guy and redeems a Horna. 27 years old. He was claimed off waivers uh, midway through last season by the Calgary Flames. He's a guy I think the Penguins do really like. Um, and I, I have a feeling that he's a, um, he's a guy that, the, uh, that Mike Sullivan likes because obviously um, outside of the uh, short stay in Toronto that uh, Zahorna had last year, um, as well as being a Calgary Flame, Kyle Dubas didn't have much history with him, but was uh, willing enough to bring him back. So I think there's definitely something there. It is a two-way deal, so he's a guy who may see more time down in the A, but I think this pre this training camp and preseason, he's going to be given a shot, as well as someone who's acquired in the Eric Carlson deal. That's Rem Pitlick. That's a name who I haven't mentioned. I don't know if he's going to be an everyday forward. I don't know if he's even going to be an extra forward. He's a very interesting player to me. I have admittedly haven't seen much of him, um, you know, from before the trade, I've been trying to follow up and see what he's been up to, uh, or, you know, what he's done in his career before then. But, uh, 
he kind of has a contract that's structured to stay in the NHL, which leads me to believe that he's kind of going into this uh, training camp competition with a leg up. He's making $1.1 million, um, you know, obviously a one-way contract. And if you look at his career, he hasn't put up huge numbers. In 123 NHL games, he has 54 points, 21 goals, 33 assists. Last season, he split time between Laval and Montreal. Uh, in the AHL, he was over a point a game player, 22 points in 18 games. At the NHL level, 15 points, 46 games played. So I think he's going to be given a really good shot to stay up in, with the NHL team if they can make it fit financially. Um, but on the other side of that, maybe since I think his salary is low enough that you could bury in the uh, in the AHL, maybe they can't keep him up for financial reasons and maybe he's the odd man out solely because of his money i may have completely read that situation wrong um but i'm sure you know if if he performs at such a high level in training camp then i think they'll uh, make some moves and try to make it work but um i'm not sure i'm really not sure where uh, um what to think when it comes to him he's still a young player uh 26 Kind of reminds me of the Jeff Petrie trade whenever the throw-in there was um, Ryan Paling. This is kind of the Ryan Paling of the Eric Carlson deal. But I'm very interested to see what Rem Pitlick can do um, in Pittsburgh. He's had experience with Nashville. He was drafted by Nashville, then uh, was in Minnesota for a short time. Ended up in Montreal, and now, thanks to the Eric Carlson deal, is a Pittsburgh Penguin. And I think he will be given an opportunity to take one of those extra forward spots. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the two players that are on uh, PTOs, uh, professional tryouts, uh, up front. So those two guys, let me bring them up. Um, Penguins actually signed a good amount of PTOs this uh, summer, not something that they typically do. Uh, The two forward PTOs are Austin Wagner and Colin White. I'm going to get to Colin White in a second because I think he's more interesting, but uh, Austin Wagner was a... L.A. King draft pick. He played there for many years, uh, then was uh, with the Chicago Blackhawks, I believe, via trade. He's played 178 NHL career games, 23 goals, 19 assists for 42 points. I, I think he's, let me see, pretty big body, 6'1", 185. I believe he's known more for his toughness than anything. Um, but I don't, admittedly, like I said, don't know a ton about him. His penalty minutes aren't high enough in the NHL to really warrant him to be, you know, for me to be calling him like a goon or anything like that. Um, the most he's ever gotten at the NHL level was 39 PIMS in 2019-20. That was in 65 games played. And then last year in Chicago, uh, only seven games played at the NHL level, two points, one goal, one assist. And down in, uh, with the Ontario Reign, which is the AHL team of the Kings, he played uh, 24 games played, was half a point a game, got 12 points, nine of which were goals. Um, so interested to see what he can be. I'm not really, uh, I don't have a really good read on him. I have to imagine that he would have to fight pretty hard to get a spot on this roster. Uh, if he wants to outplay guys like Zahorna, Pitlick, uh, you know, even Nieto maybe, I don't I don't see that happening, but hey, that's, there's always a possibility. The more interesting PTO signing, in my opinion, was Colin White, as I mentioned. Colin White's had a very interesting career. He was drafted first round by Ottawa in the 2015 NHL draft. And outside of his entry-level contract, he really impressed the Ottawa Senators. And they signed him to a six-year deal worth just south of $5 million. And that went into effect in 2019-20, but was eventually bought out just about halfway through it as it became too much for the Senators. Um, White would go on to sign after being bought out. He would sign with Florida and played there last season for $1.2 million. That contract expired, and now he is on the Penguins for a PTO. I'm not sure if he ever really warranted the contract he got in Ottawa. Granted, um, it took him a while to get established in the NHL. He uh, you know, had, had two games played in 16-17, uh, nothing there. 17-18, he had six points in 21 games. Then he really came into his own in that 18-19 season, which is where right afterwards he signed that big deal with Ottawa. Um, and all, it's also you know worth mentioning, Ottawa it was a, at that point was on a down on the downward end, starting their rebuild, you know. And Ottawa has never really been a very attractive place for a lot of players to want to sign with. 
and he was willing to sign long-term. So I think they found a guy who had a breakout year and they thought to themselves, let's jump on this. Let's secure uh, you know, a top six center for a long time. We think he's going to progress. And he just, that was the best that he had to offer was that year, which he had 40, like I said, 41 points, 71 games played, 14 goals, 27 assists. The following year, um, after signing that contract, he had 23 points in 61 games. Then he had 18 points in 45 games in 2021. His last season with Ottawa was 21-22, where he played 24 games with only 10 points. He has also faced some injuries in his career. Um, And last year with Florida, in the regular season, 68 games played, 15 points, 8 goals, 7 assists, so not very much there. In the playoffs, he played 21 of the of the uh, Panthers playoff games, just two points, two assists. Now, why do I think that he's the most attractive one? Well, because he does come with that name and with those stats at least once upon a time. He scored double digit goals on two occasions, as I mentioned. He got forty one points in uh, in that eighteen nineteen season. There's something there. He's still young. I'm not sure what exactly has been plaguing him recently. He's only twenty six. He'll turn twenty seven at the end of January. I think there's still something there. He's a very, he was a very, very talented center who I think faced a lot of uh, upheaval. But I, uh, I, I think, I think some of the criticism against him is unwarranted, and maybe he's just been a, you know, a factor of some tough circumstances. I'm very interested to see if he gets a contract offer from the Penguins. I, I'm rooting for him. I really am. I don't, uh, I don't root against players, but I think you know he's had a rough go of it recently. He's, um, you know, getting bought out from Ottawa and everything. And uh, I, I just would like to see him really work out in Pittsburgh. Not sure if he'll get a contract, but we'll see. He's definitely one of those guys that's going to be given the opportunity in training camp, in preseason, to make a name for himself. And even if it doesn't work in Pittsburgh, I hope he plays well enough during this training camp preseason uh, process that maybe he can go elsewhere, sign a deal, and get another NHL job. That's it with the forwards. In summation, I'd say, uh, I'd I on you know I think Carter's going to be the thirteenth guy. I think the guys I listed above him are pretty much guaranteed to be top twelve forwards. The only guys I'm a little uncertain about is probably Janssen at, at the top of my list there. Maybe Nieto, but I think Nieto's probably a, has a pretty good shot to uh, stick with the, the uh, top twelve and not be an extra guy at all. Uh, you know, they gave him term. It, it's really hard to give a guy uh, two years and have him sit on your bench half the season. So, um, yeah, Janssen's a guy I have a lot of question marks with. I think he peaks out on this team as a third liner, but could go as low as an AHLer. You know, there's 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 a big uh, disparity there, which I'm really interested to see how they address. And in terms of any extra forwards, I'd give the advantage probably to Zahorna and Pitlick, one of those two. Zahorna just based on his history in Pittsburgh, Pitlick based on his, you know, uh, ability to also play every position. He does. He can do center. He can do wing. They they acquired him, so obviously they wanted him uh, in that trade. They they made a point to have him thrown in there. And the uh, PTO guys probably have less of a shot. Wagner especially, but I'm rooting for Colin White. So that's my look on the forwards going into training camp. The other guys are all inevitably going to be sent down. I hope to see. Uh, I let me is, is Sam Poulin among that group? Let me make sure. John Gruden's among that group too. I don't think he's going to be given much of a shot um, to stick with the NHL team, but he did see some uh, the NHL ice a little bit last year. Vinny Hinostroza is actually another guy who I completely forgot about. Eleven points in twenty six games with Buffalo last year, signed as a free agent, and then was uh, nine points in eleven games in the AHL for Buffalo. He may be given a shot as well. Um, let me take a look here at his numbers. I completely forgot uh, Henestroza was on the team um, for a second there. There's been so many additions. 29 years old. Uh, ba ba He is on. Is he on a one or two way deal? He's on a one way deal. Granted, 775, so not a ton of money. It's totally variable. But that's another guy. I can't believe I forgot to mention him. I'd put him in that list of Zahorna, Pitlick, Wagner, and White of her fighting for that extra spot. I, I wouldn't put him in the upper echelon of Pitlick Zahorna. I think he's probably a step below them and would need to fight a little harder to get um you know to get that extra uh, forward spot in the NHL. More likely I think he'll be an AHL guy who gets called up when injuries occur. But 
we'll see here in training camp. I'm interested to see how he performs as well. Um, looking through here, yes, yeah, Sam Poland is in the um, training camp roster. Uh, I'm pulling for him. He's gone through a lot. Uh, it's been well documented, some issues that he's um, had to endure. I'm rooting for him. I really am. 22 years, uh, is he 22 years old at this point? Yeah, he's 22 years old. And um, obviously, you know, a former first round pick of the Penguins back in 2019, 21st overall. I, based on what his, you know, he's been out of the game for a little bit. Um, didn't put up great numbers when he was playing. Based on all that, I don't expect to see him making this team. I would like to see him be a top six forward down in the AHL. And hopefully put up some big numbers, kind of like what Nylander did last year. And maybe down the stretch, he can be a call-up. I just don't expect the Penguins to start the season with Sam Poulin. Um Valtteri Pustinen, uh, another guy who, 24, I mean, should be starting to try to make the jump here soon if he hasn't already missed his opportunity. Last year, he played a full 72 games with Wilkes-Barre. 24 goals, 59 points on the season down there he was a good seventh round pick back in 2019 putting up good numbers in the ahl but you'd like to see him uh make the jump at some point maybe if injuries occur maybe that's a guy that they uh can look at a uh, braden yeager i don't expect him to make the team uh at all but he's looked very good in prospect camp from what i've seen he's uh he scored some pretty nasty goals down there looking forward to seeing him excuse me eventually on that penguins forward lineup moving down to defense I think five of the top six, as I talked about on the last episode with the Pens and Stuff podcast, I think five of the top six are secure. I think the pairing of Pedersen-Carlson, likely, I think that's going to be the pairing. Um, I think that's pretty much set, as well as Graves-Latang. The top four is concrete solid. That's not going to change, I don't think. I'd be very surprised to see any one of those guys on the bottom pair. Third pair, I think POJ is a given, but I think there's some options here on who's going to be uh, paired be paired up with him, as well as who is going to be the extra defender. Now, guys under contract, um, I the, that I think have the leg up and have the best opportunity here. Chad Ruedel, right-handed, he has a good opportunity to you know finally bounce up into the bottom six as an everyday defenseman. He's been the seventh D-man for years here in Pittsburgh, and he's been very reliable in that role. But I think the Penguins and Mike Sullivan are going to give him an opportunity to become that you know everyday bottom six. Or I'm not bottom six, bottom pairing defender. Um, I don't think he has the lead per se in that race, but that is a guy who's definitely going to be given the opportunity. My personal favorite choice would be Ty Smith. Ty Smith was the defender that was acquired in the John Marino trade. He's 23 years old now, only played nine games last year with the Penguins. While he does have two-ish seasons of full NHL experience under his belt when he played in New Jersey, he's a left-handed defender, so I think that puts him at less of an advantage um, than Ruedel. In that regard, but he can play right defense. He's experienced playing both both sides, left and right. Ideally, Mike Sullivan prefers a lefty and a righty, but I wouldn't be completely shocked if Ty Smith is, uh, you know, forgiven for his uh, handedness that he was granted at birth, uh, and maybe given an opportunity on that bottom uh, defensive pairing. Also. I'd be remiss if I forgot to mention Mark Friedman. Mark Friedman's been a part of this organization now for a few years. Um, he was, I believe, a waiver claim once upon a time of the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, which was something that at the time Jim Rutherford didn't do a ton of. He is in the final year of a two, actually, uh, but, 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 yes, he's in the final year of a two-year deal, paying him seven seventy-five. dollars um, Feisty guy, really feisty guy. Not the biggest guy, 5'11", uh, 185. He plays both. Uh, he, he's kind of been like the backup Ruedel where he'll kind of go slot in wherever they need him. He's been pretty consistently the eighth defenseman on this Penguins team uh, over the past two, three, maybe four seasons. Um, I like him. He doesn't put up huge numbers. He's only played 65 NHL games in his career. He's played just about 50 games with the Penguins throughout his career. Uh, and it looks like four goals, seven assists, 11 points in those games. Um, so obviously, you know, 
Not not the kind of guy who's going to put up big numbers, but he can play in a pinch. I don't think ideally he's on your everyday defensive pairings, uh, bottom pairing even. Um, but, you know, that's a guy who I think the Penguins are going to give a chance to, considering that he's, you know, paid his dues and he's played here a good, uh, a good amount. Um, yeah, so Ruedel, Smith, Friedman, I think have, uh, have the home field advantage. They're guys who have been here. Um, some other guys, Will Butcher, who is actually injured at the moment. He was invited to camp. He was a free agent signing. He has NHL experience, a good amount of it as well. 275 games played at the NHL level, 114 points. Originally came into the league with New Jersey, spent uh, four years there. Last season, uh, two seasons ago, excuse me, played with the Buffalo Sabres. Last year, he played with the AHL Texas Stars underneath the Dallas Stars. Never played a game for Dallas. But he's a guy who Dubas brought in on a low money deal, two way. Uh, in fact, he'll be only only paid $425,000 if he's in the AHL. Left handed, so doesn't really fill if you're looking for an advantage of him over anyone else. You know, the handedness doesn't help him, but he's a guy who I think can fight for the seventh spot if Ru- if Ruedel or, you know, one of those other guys gets the uh, the sixth spot. I think uh, Will Butcher is positioned to compete for the seventh defender spot, not necessarily the, uh, the sixth spot. But a guy who I do think has a good opportunity, uh, probably the best opportunity out of, out of all of the guys who are assigned to, uh, you know, pr- player tryouts is Mark Pissick. I think he has a good shot to, to excuse me, to potentially get that sixth spot, get that bottom pair right side defenseman slot next to POJ. He is a right-handed defenseman. He's 31 years old. He was a first-round pick of Buffalo way back in 2010, so that's not that important. But he has a ton of experience. 521 games played, in fact. 104 career points. You look up and down a stat sheet, nothing's going to jump out at you. He scored nine goals, which is his most ever back in uh, 1920. But beyond that, he's never scored more than four in a season. He's only hit double-digit assists like half of the seasons he's played. Not a very offensive you know, option. But that's not what he's going to be playing for. He would be right-handed alongside POJ, and I think that he would his advanced analytics in the past few seasons that he has played do look very good. Granted, he hasn't played a full season or a season at all in the NHL since 21-22, so he didn't play last year at all. Maybe a little rusty. In that case, he's probably, you know, that that's that's probably going against him, to be honest with you. But based on when he did play, if he can come back and be the player he was in Buffalo, Dallas, especially Florida, uh, I think that he has a good chance at getting that spot, getting out of the four you know, uh, player tryouts, I think him getting a roster spot, getting a contract is most likely out of, uh, out of those guys really would like to see him perform well in training camp and into the preseason. Uh, and that would be really, that'd be a really good thing for the Penguins. Uh, if that can work out another, um, player tryout, who's going to get an opportunity who I think has less of a chance. Oh, excuse me. Is Libor Hayuk. Hayuk. I, I, I can never pronounce that. He was the uh, former, uh, New York Ranger, former Winnipeg Jet. He was a Tampa Bay Lightning draft pick defenseman, 25 years old, the Czech Republic-born defender. He was highly touted. He's still very young, so I don't think he uh, has reached really the potential that he was expected to. 110 NHL games, only 12 points, which isn't great. But I, I, I wouldn't... I mean, it's hard to say I wouldn't give up on him because he's getting to at the age now where you kind of need to put up or shut up. But there was once upon a time where he was very highly touted and highly anticipated in the NHL. I think he has a lot of work to do, and I think he's here for Penguins training camp more to just get his name back out there to, you know, maybe try to show show off to uh, for an AHL contract something like that, or even a shot at a uh, 7th D position, 8th D def- def- uh, position on a uh, on another team. I don't expect him to get that 6th spot on the Penguins defense, get the 7th spot. Maybe he gets a deal with Wilkes-Barre uh, and they can bring him up 
in a pinch. But like I already mentioned, there's a lot of guys in the depth chart that are above him at this point. Possibly even uh, Xavier Ouellette, who has been down with Wilkes-Barre for a while now. He did get a training camp invite, but I don't expect him to uh, to get much of an NHL chance himself. Ouellette, that is. Um, but I'm very interested to see what they do with uh, Hayuk. Uh, I, can, I can never pronounce that. I, I could be pronouncing that completely wrong. If I am, I apologize. No disrespect. But the Czech names, I think, in my opinion, are the the hardest to pronounce. Um, and then in goal, might as well go in goal. Uh, Jari, pretty much uh, guaranteed to be the starter in, in case something absolutely uh, crazy happens. But we already talked about how um, injuries have not been good to Tristan Jari. So possibly, uh, don't want to jinx anything on him, but there's obviously a possibility that Alex Nedeljkovic, who's the odds-on favorite to be the backup, sees a lot of NHL ice this offseason. Not this offseason, this season, excuse me. It's midnight now. I'm, I'm a little wonky, a little tired. Uh, anyways, the other tra- there's a lot. There's seven training camp goalies who have been brought up um, to have an opportunity. Magnus Helberg has some NHL experience, so maybe they'll give him a shot. I think it's a pretty far shot in the dark that he'll uh, you know beat out Ndelkovic or anything like that. But uh, that's a guy who I think is going to get some time in training camp in preseason. Another name that's very interesting, uh, well, Joel Blomquist is really uh, impressed at rookie camp. I'm very interested to see how long they before you know he really sticks around in North America. Maybe this season he's going to be down there full-time uh, with Wilkes-Barre. I'm not sure. He's still young, still uh, 21 years old, turns 22 in January. But a guy who I'm very interested in, who I'm not sure if maybe Dubas brought him in as a favor or what the situation there is, but Garrett Sparks. He is 30 years old. He once upon a time was the Toronto Maple Leafs backup. He won the Calder Cup with them, uh, with the Marlies, with Kyle Dubas, and he's getting an invite to the training camp. It doesn't say on Cap Friendly that he has a PTO uh, or any sort of contract at all with the Penguins. It says he's inactive at the NHL level. He may have a, I think he has a contract with the uh, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins directly. Let me take a look at that. Um, let me see here. That would make a lot more sense. Yes. Yeah, okay. So he's a contract directly with uh, Wilkes-Barre. So not. So he's obviously not going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin likely. But it is interesting to see that they're you know feeling that out and see how that how he looks at NH on NHL ice moving forward. Um, going into the training camp, I'm interested to see if he can uh, impress. You know, maybe uh, shake up shake up something a little bit and uh, put his name back out there. But I'm pretty confident that the NHL spots are pretty confidently uh, and securely Nadelkovic, Jari, Helberg probably as the far back number three. And then, you know, if any if anything happens beyond that, we need to talk about fourth and fifth goalies. There's a bigger problem at hand. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. I have more things, news and stuff I want to talk about that has happened. Penguins related since right after this short break. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups and walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, LA. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sports.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. 
We are back. Um, obviously, we're talking about the Penguins and the position, the depth chart, the positioning, all that stuff. One of the guys who I was confident would have signed by the end of the offseason with the Penguins recently didn't. He recently signed with the Colorado Avalanche, unfortunately. Thomas Tatar signed about a week ago, I believe, with the Colorado Avalanche. One year, $1.5 million for the Slovakian forward. Um, very good numbers throughout his career. Very reliable scoring winger. Up and down, uh, you know, a bunch of different teams. Obviously, he was with Detroit for a while. Was briefly a Vegas Golden Knight uh, during their cup run in their inaugural year. Went to Montreal. Was with New Jersey the past two seasons. He's been a very consistent goal scorer. He's has he's had double digits basically every season outside of his rookie year, uh, including four, five, six, seven 20 goal, 20 plus goal seasons in 783 games played, 455 points, 211 of which were goals. I think he is a great addition for the Colorado Avalanche, a team who is going to be without Gabriel Landeskog for most if not all of the season this year, and a team that's lost a good bit of their depth from whenever they did win the Stanley Cup. Originally going into this, uh, into the offseason and now into the season, I was a little bit concerned with how, um, how I don't know what the right word is, but how not deep, how shallow the, uh, the depth was for the Colorado Avalanche. But I'm looking at their team now, and I, I think they're going to be okay. Obviously, you have Nate McKinnon at the top of the uh, top of the food chain, making twelve point six million dollars this season, and I believe only this season he will be the highest paid player in the NHL, uh, beating out McDavid, I think, by a hundred thousand, and then will also be jumped by Austin Matthews at the start of next season. You also have Miko Rantanen, uh, Valeri Nichushkin, Arturi Lekkinen, Ryan Johansson, Ross Colton. There, he was a, uh, a a trade addition from the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he's uh, signed to four years of $4 million. I think that's a great addition. Miles Wood, then you also throw in Tatar there. That's a pretty, pretty good, you know, top, what is that, eight? Yeah, that, their top eight forwards, not terrible. It gets a little, a little worse here at the, uh, you know, their bottom four forwards. Logan O'Connor, Andrew Cogliano, Jonathan Duran. Uh, ben Myers, Frederick Olofsson, Duran, I think, is a, sh- is a bet. He's a shot in the dark. We'll see if he can work out. But this team isn't looking as bad as I expected them to. Their defense is still great. They are, oh, excuse me, likely to lose Devontae's after the season. He's an a unrestricted free agent, and he's in for a huge pay raise, making 4.1 right now. Likely can sniff nine, $10 million. Uh, he's going to be paid very handsomely. So this is a year that the Colorado Avalanche need to go all in, and they add a really good depth piece with Thomas Tatar. Very upset the Penguins and Kyle Dubas couldn't make that work and get a hold of it. But alas, here we are. By the way, I meant to mention, I meant to mention, excuse me, that uh, Sunday the Penguins open up preseason with a with two split squad games, one here in Pittsburgh, one in Columbus, and after that it all gets started. So. We're very close here. Obviously, training camp starts up. Preseason starts up. October is the the question: Is it October yet? Almost. It's almost October. We're gonna get you know preseason hockey beforehand anyway. So get excited. It's gonna be a, a great season here for the Penguins and a great season of hockey for everybody. Another you know Penguin connection that has gotten in the news a little bit recently. That's basically what the rest of the show is going to be about. Phil Castle has told teams, has told reporters that he wants, he still wants to play. He's, he's, you know, ready to play. He does not have a home right now, but he's willing to give up on his Ironman streak. He currently is the iron, the all time Ironman in the NHL with the most consecutive games played of all time. And considering it's a guy of his stature, for you know, not not trying to be disrespectful, but a guy of his physique, it's pretty extraordinary what he's been able to do, and still at a productive level. Um, he's gotten you know it's gotten a little the offensive production has gone down in past years. Honestly, ever since he left Pittsburgh, 
the offensive production went down. He went from 82 points in 82 games in 1819 with the Penguins after being dealt to Arizona in 70 games played that first uh, COVID year. He had 38 points. So basically, ever since he left Pittsburgh, he's been a little a little worse uh, each year. Last year, 36 points in 82 games played in the regular season with the Golden Knights. Didn't play much in the playoffs, but inevitably was the A Stanley Cup champion once again. I don't see him signing with Pittsburgh as much as my you know heart wants it. My brain says it's not going to happen. But I do hope that he's able to prolong his career and find a home sooner rather than later. I, I know he's been a difficult personality for some people in, in hockey and some people in the media, but I always root for Phil Kessel. He was uh, growing up one of my favorite players. When the Penguins got him, I was ecstatic. Uh, young 15, 14-year-old Lucas, however old I was, was over the moon. And I will always root for Phil Kessel. So I really hope that he's able to find somewhere and, and find some role. Even if it's not an everyday player, just find some role. You can't tell me that even at the age he's at right now, that, what is it, 12 forwards times uh, 32 teams. You can't tell me that there's 384 better forwards in the NHL than Phil Kessel. I'm sorry, I won't buy it. I will not buy it. Moving forward, more former Penguin news. Josh Archibald, who in the offseason, you know, after playing last season with the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, during the offseason he signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and before he ever put on a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey, he terminated his contract mutually with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, there have been reports on what exactly uh, is going on. I'm not, I'm not going to speculate onto that, but there was, uh, he's dealt with some uh, issues post-COVID, uh, health-related, and they did say that it was an outside-of-hockey matter that he's, um, that he's dealing with, so it, it may be you know, health related to himself and maybe a completely different reason. But regardless of what it is, I've had opinions on him playing, on his playing, the signing of him last year, but I also wish him the best. So I, I really hope whatever uh, Josh and his family are going through, I hope it resol- gets resolved and, 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 and ends in a positive solution. Um, I'm rooting for the guy. He did play a good amount of games uh, with the Penguins beyond last season, he you know started with the Penguins before going to Edmonton and Arizona and you know swapping between a few places. So um, hope all is well with Josh, Ar- Josh Archibald. Sorry if that's uh, the end of it for him in the NHL. I hope it's not. Hope to see him back on another team some someday. Always root for the people. Always root for uh, people that you know contributed to the Penguins, and I and that you know goes double for Josh. Another former guy, uh, former Penguin. Dan Heinen, he went back to where it all started. He was drafted by Boston in 2014. He has since signed a PTO with the Boston Bruins, who are going to need some forwards. We've talked about it before. That's a team who is very light on the forwards right right now. Um, he's not he's not the greatest. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. You know, Dan Heinen's not the best the best around. Um, but he's been a productive forward in the past. In his first year with Pittsburgh, he was uh, a big surprise. Last year, I think we raised our expectations a bit too high, and um, he kind of underperformed. But he, his first season with Pittsburgh, he had a career high in goals, 18, and he ended uh, 76 games played, 33 points with those 18 goals. He's also scored 16 goals before. That was his first full season in Boston. In 413 NHL games played, 176 points. Uh, hopefully he can get a contract there. If you look at the players up front that the uh, Bruins have under contract, he should get a shot. He really should. I, I think he's uh, could easily become uh, a top 12 forward for them. If not, even an extra forward, I think he'd fit in well in a role like that. So uh, good luck to Denton Heinen in his return to Boston. Another former Penguin. Let's keep her going. We got one more after this as well. Kalen Addison. Uh, once upon a time was the Penguins' top prospect. He re-signed with Bill Guerin and the Minnesota Wild today after a uh, long dis- contract dispute. He's an RFA, so he didn't have much leverage. The 21-year-old offensive defenseman signed a one-year, $825,000 contract. Minnesota did not have any extra money to make anything really work. 
Beyond that, he was a part of the Jason Zucker trade. The fold trade goes as follows. Uh, Jason Zucker for Alex Galchenyuk, Kalen Addison, and a 2021 first-round pick ended up being Carson Lambos. Um, looking back, that was a good amount of value the Penguins uh, gave up for for Jason Zucker, but he really broke out last season, so I'd say uh, I'd say he was worth it. Um, Kalen Addison's becoming a pretty good player in his own right. Um, hasn't really put up a ton of numbers quite yet, only 80 games played in the NHL, parts of the past three seasons, but last year was majority of the games played in his career. He had uh, 29 points last year in 62 games played. Um, yeah, I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for him. I'm, uh, if he turns out, that means the Penguin scouting at least at that time was not the worst. So, uh, hoping uh, he can turn out well for Minnesota and continue to grow there. And there's a lot of former Penguins on that, uh, on that roster. If you look up front, Frederick, uh, Goudreau, obviously he played a, uh, you know, a little bit of a season there on defense, Alex Goligoski, Kalen Addison, and then in net, you got, uh, Philip Gustafson and Marc-Andre Fleury, two Penguin draftees as their tandem. That's always uh, wild to me. But obviously, very Pittsburgh-inspired. Bill Guerin is their general manager. Makes a lot of sense. Before I forget, another thing that happened today, Penguin goalie-related, Montreal traded Casey DeSmith to Vancouver for Tanner Pearson, another former Penguin, and a third-round pick. And it's funny because who is in charge in Vancouver? Patrick Olveen and Jim Rutherford. So the Pittsburgh connections keep on going, and Thatcher Demko finally has a non-NHL option in uh, his backup in, you know, in tandem with him. Casey DeSmith is a good backup goalie. Spencer Martin, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I'm not sure how I feel about that one. Um, some St. Louis Blues news. Today, they announced that Braden Shen it will be their next captain, uh, which you know great for him, former Flyer. Obviously, battle the Penguins hard uh, very often. But in Blues news from a, a couple weeks ago, uh, former Penguin Kasperi Kapanen was charged in Finland with aggravated drunk driving. Now, he is scheduled to go to court in February 2024, so obviously next February, uh, he accepted responsibility for his actions, and he apologized to the Blues and his family in a statement. But uh, we've we've heard rumors in the past about some conduct with him, some uh, lapses in judgment that Kasperi Kapanen has made, and this is another one. He's getting to the age now where you know you can't just you can't just pass it off on being a dumb kid. Um, you kind of need to start evaluating yourself. You know, you're you're 27 years old. You're a grown man. You've made a good chunk of money in your career. You're still making a lot. You have 3.2 million dollar cap hit uh, next season. You, you can't be making these these dumb mistakes. There's too much on the line, and the the Blues took a risk by uh, claiming him off waivers. He's been a super talented player in his career. Hasn't really always put it all together, but he's he has a lot of skill. Very fast. One of the fastest skaters in the NHL. Penguins, you know, drafted him in the first round, traded him as a big piece of the Phil Castle deal, then sent a first-round pick to Toronto to get him back, and then performed so poorly here that they put him on waivers, and now he's in St. Louis, a team that took a risk on him after already previous previous reported issues off the ice and some pretty flagrant issues on the ice. And then he goes and does this stuff. Not a good look for Kasperi Kapitan. I, I really hope he can get his stuff together and figure it all out because he has the skills to become a good uh, good player. He hasn't always had it all, like, all put together, like I said, on the ice. But really, really needs to get it together off the ice more than anything. And I, I hope he gets that all figured out. I really do. Um. Another issue, uh, another problem that came to light uh, since the last episode, Mike Babcock, before ever coaching a game for the Columbus Blue Jackets, resigns and was seemed to have been uh, forced to resign. It was, I think the Blue Jackets announced it as a uh, Mike Babcock agreed to resign. So it was probably the Blue Jackets uh, call there to step down 
as a head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. It comes after a controversy that was led and uh, you know started on the Spit and Chicklets podcast by uh, Biz Nasty Paul Bissonnette, where uh, younger players came to Biz. Uh, I, I, I think the, the original report was Boone Jenner. Um, you know, you know, Mike Babcock brought in these players. I believe Boone Jenner was a part of the report that, and then asked them to go through their phones and in some cases looked through their phones, you know, on his own, took their phones and looked through the pictures on the phones and uh, it made a lot of players uncomfortable. Boone Jenner made a statement, came out against it. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, uh, and against it, I mean against the report, saying denying the report, essentially. Johnny Goudreau at the player media availability um, in Las Vegas this past week, before Babcock resigned, he got on and said, yeah, like I did show pictures, but you know there wasn't any issue with it, whatever. But then the National Hockey League Players Association sent their uh, director, Marty Walsh, as well as, uh, I forget this position, I think it was assistant director, Ron Hainsey, former Penguin, to investigate in Columbus, and I guess they talked with some of the other younger players, and it did come out that there were many players who did feel really uncomfortable by what Babcock was doing. And Babcock has a history of using his power in uh, in, in uncomfortable ways and making players really uncomfortable in uh, in a multitude of situations, and in some in some cases uh, downright abuse. Uh, I don't know if that's the word that they'd use. I don't want, you know, to step over a line here. But some of the claims that former players of his, like uh, Johan Franzen and others, came out and said, definitely a um, a problem coach. You go back to Toronto and you look at the Mitch Marner situation that um, in, in Toronto, he made Mitch Marner write a list of players from 1 to 23 of who works the hardest. And then... Babcock took that list and talked to the players who were at the bottom of the list. And did he not expect that that would have a negative effect on Mitch? That the players would treat Mitch differently? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. But this seems to be the last straw for Mike Babcock. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a big, it, it impacts the Penguins, obviously, because one of their uh, division rivals now is is it kind of in turmoil. The organization never should have hired Mike Babcock to begin with. And the fact that they did without doing their due diligence, going through making sure that he actually did make the change to be, you know, in in the past few years since being the Maple Leafs coach, grew as a person and learned to use different tactics, still he's still using his power in bad ways. Especially against young players who he kind of holds their future in his hand, or at least did. Pascal Vincent is the was the associate coach, I believe, of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He has since been promoted to the full-time head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it seems as though a lot of the players on the team really like him, so that's a good start. But I think that we haven't even begun to see the effects of what this controversy has had with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think that there's going to be questions about Boone Jenner in his you know, relationship to these young players, his relationship as captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Excuse me. I think we really haven't really fully grasped what this uh, situation's fully going to entail. Even though Mike Babcock's gone, I think the effect of what has happened is uh, is just getting started. And I think there's going to be a lot of tumultuousness for lack of a better word in Columbus moving forward speaking of the players union um, there have been reports that the union and the league have been talking about wanting to create more and go back to international hockey international competition and it starts uh, it might even start before the Olympics but they do want to get involved with the 2026 Winter Olympics but the belief is that they want to go beyond that and they want to have their own tournament, a World Cup of Hockey again. They had that back in 2016, I believe, and it was a smash hit. There was obviously some really weird aspects to it, uh, looking at the um, Team North America, Team Europe oddities. I think it was very fun, the oddities that it had, but it wasn't true international play that, you know, 
people really want. There wasn't a full uh, Slovak team, I think, or German team. I think they, those were countries that were all lumped into a Team Europe, which, no offense, but is there really much European Union uh, pride or is there, you know, pride for your country? I think that's where part of the issue lied with that tournament. But it's going to be exciting to see if the NHL can do that sooner rather than later. For one reason more than any, Sidney Crosby, in an um, interview with 32 Thoughts, Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman, mentioned that he wants to play for Team Canada and he wants to play on a line with Connor McDavid before his career ends. And he's even willing to go on his off wing, which I thought was a very funny, very funny quote. He was He's willing to go on his off wing to play alongside of uh, Connor McDavid which um, imagine that line. We've never seen the two of them line up together. In the World Cup of Hockey, McDavid was on Team North America with Austin Matthews. Um, did not Have not seen in any level McDavid and Crosby. That would just be a phenomenal showing. And I think it's not even a shoe in that they're the best team there. I may be a, um, a bit of a patriot here, but that Team USA team that uh, is proposed to be, uh, you know, for the next coming years, is going to look sick. Going to look unbelievable. The, the best, this is the best generation of USA hockey of all time, R- happening right now in front of you. All of the youth movement, up and down the lineup, the offense is deep, the defense is super deep, the goaltending is unbelievably deep, especially compared to Team Canada, where their best option looks like it's Carter Hart right now. Team USA can, can choose between Ottinger, they can choose between Hellebuck. They can choose Swayman. There's so many great, great, even some great young ones, American goaltenders. And uh, I think the USA, Canada, and there's some other countries too. I'm not sure how they're going to address Team Russia, to be perfectly honest with you, given the war. Um, but um, it's going to be great. There's some good countries, too, in Europe. Slovakia is going to be on the rise here in the next few years. I think Czechia is going to be on the rise as well. Germany is going to be better than they've ever been. It's going to be really exciting to see international play here sooner rather than later. One thing before I go I wanted to discuss that was more Penguin news that happened since um, since the last episode. Definitely worth mentioning. Former San Jose Sharks general manager Doug Wilson uh, was named senior advisor of hockey operations to Kyle Dubas and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Doug Wilson was the long, long time GM of the uh, Sharks, as I mentioned. I believe he was the one who, funny enough, acquired Eric Carlson from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, he had been with the Sharks organization since 1997, which I believe was their inaugural year. So he's there. He was there from since the beginning of the organization. He stepped down as general manager. He was named general manager in 2003, stepped down in 2022. Uh, eventually, Mike Greer became the general manager. But there was um, some unconfirmed and unexactly reported issue um, uh, that Doug Wilson had that he needed to resolve uh, whenever he eventually did resign in 2022. But it's, it's, that was a year and a half ago. And uh, he seems like he's ready to go. He's back. Yeah, so whatever was going on with him, I I hope it's resolved. It seems resolved. And it's good to have him back in the league. He's obviously a longtime executive in the NHL. Um, and, and he's going to be there to help guide Kyle Dubas. And, you know, there's so many new additions to this Penguins front office. It, it's such a different look. They're going to great lengths to scrub themselves of the filth that was left between, you know, before them from the uh, previous administration. Um, we talked about Amanda Kessel, Trevor Daly, uh, Cam Sharon, obviously Kyle Dubas, Jason Spezza, and now Doug Wilson, along with many others. There's been so many promotions and stuff uh, from within the organization at all aspects, even beyond um, hockey-related uh, aspects. It's really good to see the Penguins, um, you know, really doing this and making such a change, going through such an effort. There's going to be a lot of cooks in the kitchen this year. Interested to see. I'm not sure what the length of the contract is for Doug Wilson, but his, his official title is a senior advisor of hockey operations. And when it comes to respect around the league 
and um, a guy who knows everybody, basically everybody. Doug Wilson is a huge name, a huge get for the Penguins. I'm very interested to see what his influence is over uh, the hockey operations. That's all I had. It was a really long, long one. Just capped out at an hour and four minutes. I'm going to leave it there. Um, thank you for listening for episode 22 of the Pennscast. It's been a while. Looking forward to getting the season going. We're, we're right around the corner here. We'll see actual two different teams play each other uh, on NHL rinks on Sunday. And then we won't go another you know week without it until hopefully July. So thank you very much for listening to episode 22 of the Pennscast. Please give me a follow on uh, Twitter and Instagram at pens underscore cast. My personal account at Lucas Wester on both of those. Give us a rating on Spotify. You could really use a five-star rating on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, be sure to rate it. And uh, that's everything. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.